A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Hi, everyone. This is Ramdas Here and Now podcast, and I'm Raghu Marcus, backed after a sojourn in India, which many of you know about, who listened to the last podcast, because my my friend and close buddy, David Silver, did the intro for that talk, uh, which was great. Uh, and uh, this particular talk uh, comes from Santa Cruz, October 75. And before I get into some of the highlights of the talk, um, I do want to remind everybody that coming up, let's see, uh, in about three weeks from the time at which you're hearing this podcast, middle of October-ish, our uh, book that the Foundation uh, is uh, publishing through Harper One great publisher, and uh, gathered together, edited, and written by uh, Parvati Marcus, which is all of our stories going back to India, uh, going to India, actually, for the first time after Ramdas went back to India the second time. And he had, of course, ta- uh, done many talks, some of which you've heard on this podcast, um, for uh, three years between the time he first went and the time he went the second time. And it's our stories of getting over there, of hearing about Anim Karoli Baba and getting over there, Maharaji, and uh, our experiences. It's, uh, it's a fantastic book. It'll hark back to uh, those of you who know Miracle of Love, another extraordinary book that was published in the 70s that Ramdas put together, which is mostly stories, aside from Ramdas of Indian devotees and their experiences with Maharaji. It is sprinkled through with some Westerner stories. This is exclusively our stories, the Westerners, of which there was maybe a couple of hundred who went to India after hearing about uh, Maharaji. This comprises maybe 70-odd stories, 70 or 80 uh, of us, and uh, it's very, very relatable to whoever is coming up Uh, and getting on the spiritual path. There's nothing to do with being a devotee of uh, Neem Karoli Baba. It's about uh, the kinds of people and the kind of uh, realities that we brought to the table when we went to India and all of our shortfalls, which Ramdas, of course, described quite well when he first came back to India, which is why we trusted him so much. And I think uh, people will get a lot out of this. So uh, it's got a lot of love. Love everyone. It should have a lot of love. But it does. And uh, I think people will enjoy it. So please go to ramdas.org. And you'll see a link on the homepage uh, to the book. uh, And the page will have some wonderful excerpts and descriptions and uh, stories uh, that were videotaped from some of the people in the book. And we'd love you to pre-order it uh, so we can, uh, this will encourage the publisher, Harper, to produce more books to make it more available. So uh, that would be great if you did that. And now uh, I want to say about this talk, uh, as I started to listen to it, I realized that it had um, many cross-currents with what I had gone through on this trip to India. Um, and uh, as we go along here, I'll point those out. Um, Ramdas starts out talking about uh, 
just who we are in relation to uh, other people. It takes but a flick of a look in a person's eyes to see who it is you are to them. Which level of reality you exist upon. And if you, if you just think about that, um, and you just remember just meeting someone, it could be someone you never met before or someone you know quite well. And in that moment, uh, they're seeing you in a way that uh, allows yourself to see yourself. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, sometimes they can see as someone who looks, you know, just that role, how you're dressed, your mannerisms, and, and they peg you into that role. And some see, oh, you're a nice guy, or the, some see your, your astrological sign. But then there's some that some come in and recognize, people recognize each other across time and space. Two souls meeting, independent of all of the forms of the dance. It is conceivable that one could walk in who is nobody, just empty. And then, of course, uh, we talk. Uh, of course, that did remind me of my experience, um, not just this time in India, but of course, meeting Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, um, and that emptiness of being with somebody who wasn't. Uh, the reflection back was of true nature, one's own true nature, and then, of course, uh, that's time, that moment. Uh, held for some time, and then we would uh, rock back into that um, self-reflection uh, and unworthiness and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we were, we were pretty young back then. Uh, but yeah, this happens to everybody. Uh, so uh, he goes on, A conscious being has no attachment to any level. They're neither busy denying nor affirming, neither saying, I am not this, or nor am I this. And they're not protecting or justifying. There is no polarization within them. So on this trip to India, and here's the cross current. On this trip to India, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, a being that I had never met before, a yogi, in the middle of India. And, um, and... Two of the things Ramdas is talking about happened, which is, first of all, I'm a conscious being that obviously had no attachments, no worldly attachments. He has tremendous spiritual accomplishments. And by the way, uh, I'm not going to go into the story of, uh, I did a podcast, actually, uh, a field recording with the people that I was with. There was three of us, uh, myself and a couple. Um, and, uh, that is available if you want to hear that and hear the details of, of my little story, me, my, my, uh, but it is interesting. Perhaps, uh, go to mind rolling podcast, uh, around the time that this podcast is out middle of, uh, October, 2015. And, uh, it's called, I believe a safari to the jungle, a little bit of a dramatic title entertaining title um, and it w- it hopefully will aside from uh, maybe a couple of bits of wisdom in there uh, so uh, go to mindpodnetwork.com everybody and check that out if you want to just follow that little tale but this being uh, was very much that it has tremendous tapasya which is uh, austerities he's done uh, you know long long sojourns in caves and not eating hardly anything at all and doing uh, meditation in bodies of water and so on and so forth uh, and yet uh, this very blissful joyful fun being and and but very much as soon as I first met him which is why I, I'm saying this thing really uh, uh, is a cross current for what I went through um, when he talks about Recognizing each other across time and space, two souls meeting, independent of all the forms of the dance. Because this being uh, was not hooked and attached to anything, didn't want anything, was just present. All we did was sing kirtan and drink chai, my favorite two things in the world. 
So it, you know, it was just joyful. But uh, the immediate, uh, this thing where Ramdas talks about just the flick of a look in a person's eyes to see who you are to them. And, and to him, I was certainly just a pure soul. And that reflection happened. I recognized him. And it was very much a, a, a meeting that uh, went beyond, as Ramdas calls it, it was independent of all the forms of the dance. So it was a really... Um, it was an exciting thing to happen to to meet a being like this. Uh, of course, that experience that I had with Maharaji way back when was that in spades. Uh, and uh, so uh, not that he's, I mean, I wouldn't know his, his level of realization or any of that. I was, as I said, it, it was just a meeting of souls and uh, I was happy enough on that level. Um, Let's see. He talks a bit about compassion here, too, which and, and there's some things in here, because the other thing for me was, you know, meeting this this being and talking about him. I talked about him on the podcast. I'm talking about him to just friends and who's interested in what happened to you. They say, you know, when you went to India, what was your experience? And um and, and the way that I put it, even in this podcast that you can find on Mind Rolling, I, I did put it in terms of um, what is the use of, of, of this kind of an experience, meeting a person like this and being able to dip really into your true nature. Um, and, uh, and I find what Ramdas wrote here really, really relates to what I feel. Um, in, in, a, in maybe a little bit of a long uh, uh, about way, uh, as you get to this, to be secure in accepting your own predicament, okay, not feeling like you're clinging to your high, okay, uh, like kind of nails on a ledge, or that you're busy denying a lot of shadows inside yourself, covering, your, covering up your unworthiness, um, with a hale and hearty holiness. I love that. Only when you are really, really right where you are, acknowledging it all, in other words, just being yourself, uh, can you genuinely have, not a head trip kind of thing, but genuinely have true compassion for other human beings and leave them to be what they need to be. And just you have to recognize we are all on an evolutionary journey. And so that's really a compassionate being is what she or he is, creating a space in which other people can be what they need to be, not what you want them to be. And that's probably the most practical application of, of treading the spiritual path and having some, um, you can call it realization, some uh, substantial transformation within your being that uh, allows you to be this kind of compassion or to, uh, to genuinely um, have this true compassion for other human beings. And, and that's the only sense that I can make out of uh, having an experience uh, such as the one I had, meeting a, a, a pretty free being. Um, and, and so uh, one, the other thing that, again, more cross-current from my own experience just being in India, uh, and in this particular case, again, with this yogi, um, you know, my, I'm always thinking, you know, do I need any more experiences? Okay, I had the grand experience with Neem Karoli Bhavi, with Maharaji. What else? There, there isn't anything else I could experience um, that would even come near that. And, of course, in this case... Uh, um, it was like a big reminder, and I was just happy for a, a number of days, 24-7, and was able to be in a space, in, in a timeless, uh, spaceless uh, place where I'm not thinking about myself uh, all the time, which is generally what I do, uh, what we all do. Um, so, and he talks here about collecting experiences, and that was one of the things. Do I need to collect experience? Um of course, your last ex big experience is taking that last breath. <laughs> so I love that. You as a separate entity are still creating a universe in order to optimize your, your experiences. And um, we're still 
judging the experience as better than that experience and pleasure is supposed to as opposed to pain gain is preferable to loss and fame as preferable to shame and so i just i did uh, this this actually propelled me into uh, looking into the experience quote unquote that i had um and and seeing how i i came back here and you know, I'm just dealing with stuff. I got sick. I'm dealing with all the work stuff that I piled up while I was gone, and and I started to think, shit. I was, wish, I I wish I was back in that jungle. This is where the Baba was in it. Amazing jungle. Oh God, it was just fantastic. Talk, no power, no electricity, no bathrooms. That wasn't so fantastic, but it was real. Um, and uh. And I, you know, here I was doing exactly this, comparing that was great. Where I am now is shit. And uh, uh, so it just it just tells you after all these years. I mean, um, for me, listening to either live or because of the work I've done with Ramdas, I've I've listened to a lot of lectures. I've mentioned this in the past, and um, and you know how how true this hit me right in the center of my being of, uh, again, the, the kind of judgments related to experiences. And that's why, in my mind, the concept of emptiness that the Buddhists uh, constantly talk about is really shunyata, I love that term, is highly valuable concept. And it would be, you know, emptiness of pleasure or pain, empty of gain or loss, empty of of uh, fame or, or shame. And um, doing the practices that are uh, that are available to us uh, to engender uh, that emptiness. And it's not it's not a void. It's it's emptiness of these uh, polarities. Uh, that's what we're talking about. And so, um, you know, I fell right into that trap myself, you know, coming back from, uh, from, from this experience in India. Um, and, and last, uh, which bears uh, repeating from this lecture, once you get a peek uh, at the uh, reality of who you really are, you cannot go back. Try and try as we do. Um, and really, the pursuit of our true nature is the only game. When that becomes the only game, then you realize that everything in your life is an instrument for getting there, for getting free. And um, uh, that's probably some of the most value, valuable information that we can uh, use on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so uh, a great, great talk. And... Uh, really getting at the, our true nature, the reality of who we are, um, again, from, from Ramdas. So without, uh, uh, thanks everybody for support. I, I, I don't want to forget that um, because uh, Love, Serve, Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org uh, completely, absolutely only can exist based on your support, our community out there. Uh, so please continue that support. Go to ramdas.org. There are so many different ways you can support, either straight donation or there's all sorts of uh, downloads. There's a store. There's uh, um, uh, what else is there? There's uh, Amazon even. Go to Amazon. I think we have a, yeah, I know we have an Amazon link that you can buy stuff at. Um but uh, again, thanks for the support. Please do continue and look out for Lev Love Everyone by Parvati Marcus. And uh, she, yes, she is my ex-wife. And we are terrific friends and worked on this book together. It was a joy. And uh, um, till next time on Ramdas, here and now. It's interesting to stand at the door As you come in, say hello. For income people from all of my different incarnations, 
and some of them come to reassure themselves that I haven't changed, and some come in uh, hopes that I have. Some have grown as I have grown, and we meet again and again in a new space. It takes but a flick of a look in a person's eyes to see who it is you are for them, which level of reality you exist upon. For one person comes in and sees somebody who looks the part. They see a body and a beard and clear eyes, big eyes, bald head. Somebody you can have trust in. Some come in and uh, see a nice guy. That's nice. Uh, some of you come in and see uh, obvious Aries. Some of you come in, we look in one another's eyes and we recognize each other across time, across space, independent of all of the forms of the dance. Two souls meeting. Are you in there? I'm in here, far out. How did you get into that one? Now and then, one comes in. Who, when I look at, I see myself looking at myself. For there is only one of us at that moment. Just a flick of a glance. And it is conceivable that one could walk in who was, in truth, nobody. Not even the one. Just emptiness. So standing at the door is like running your, your whole uh, consciousness through a deck of cards. Because with each new being that comes in, you're a different person. And if you aren't busy being somebody, then you just feel yourself flipping levels in order to be just who it is they expect you to be. Conscious being has no attachment to any level, neither busy denying nor affirming, neither saying I'm not this nor I am this. Neither protecting nor justifying.
for a long time, I was in a stage where every time somebody would come and say to me, you're Dick Albert, aren't you? How's Tim? I would get tight. I'd say, I'm Baba Ramdas. But you only try to protect your position when you don't have much faith in where you're at. Just like you only come on to other people about their position when you don't have much faith in where you're at. It's interesting about compassion that as you get to be secure in accepting your own predicament, not feeling like you're clinging to your high with nails on a ledge or that you're busy denying a lot of shit inside of yourself covering over your unworthiness with a hale hearty holiness <laughs> only when you're really really right where you are, acknowledging it, can you genuinely have not a head trip compassion, but true compassion for other human beings and leave them alone to be where they need to be. We are all on an evolutionary journey. Some of us are young souls, some of us are old souls. Some of us have been through life after life after life. Some of us are just starting the journey, just the first few thousand lives. But there's no blame about that. It's certainly not better to be 10 years old than 50 years old or 30 than 60. But yet, when our parent or our brother or our wife or our husband or our friend isn't as, quote, high as we are, we judge. And we try to get them just like us, because we're so happy, why aren't they? But a compassionate being is what she or he is, creating a space in which other people can be what they need to be, not what you want them to be. And that compassion is developing in us as an evolving conscious entity as a result of a lot of stuff we've been through to the point where we are now much more honestly acknowledging where we are than we ever did before. We are still busy, some of us being phony holy and some of us being phony unholy. Phony holy is you make believe you're Buddha or Christ or Krishna when you really think you're a jerk. Yeah. Phony unholy is when you say, all I really want is a nice life to groove along when you know inside there's something much more than that happening. There are many more phony unholies here than phony, phony holies. Because here in this area particularly, many of you have created exquisite lives, haven't you? <laughs> it's so
so essency. Essency. For many of you, you are living out the fantasy of how you wanted it to be. You got it. You got just what it was you wanted. You're a good person. You're reasonably responsible. Get your economic scene together one way or another. Living in a good space, among good people, it's loving, gentle, relatively conscious. <laughs> you care about your fellow human beings. You are ecologically concerned. You are more or less politically involved or sensitive. You're no longer flamboyant in your protest. Your protest is somewhat more effective because you less define yourself as them. We have come a long way. We have created the good life. We've simplified our lives. It's all just what it is. But just beyond that, just inside of that, just above that, lurks something else. contentment that many of you have opens you to touching a place in yourself that yearns at a deeper level, a little deeper level. Now, as I've talked about in San Francisco and Berkeley, very often you have followed a couple of strategies in order to try to fill that little place in yourself, that little anxious voice, that little voice that says, it's all perfect, but some of that but is because it's in time and you're decaying, you know? And no matter how good it is, it's gonna go sooner or later. So what I've seen most often are two strategies we have for calming that voice. One is to become preoccupied with more. The beautiful example of that is a bath is nice, but with bath oil, that's a little better. How about with bath oil and someone else in the tub? That's pretty good. With stereo music? Incense. A candlelight. Grapes. More is better. 
I mean, that movie will be great, but if I smoked this before it, think of what it would be then. Uh, uh. More is better. And the other strategy we use is trying to space the rushes closer together. Okay? So you never have to face the space between the rush. Okay? So when you're in the middle of dinner, what do we have for dessert? Dessert. Gee, I think I'll have a cigarette. Cigarette. Let's go for a walk. Want to go to the movies? Okay. How about an ice cream soda? Okay. Let's go make love. Okay. What's in the refrigerator? Okay. And you're just at the moment of orgasm and you're wondering what's in the refrigerator. It's just a constant rush after rush after rush after rush. I was sitting next to a fellow on the plane coming out from New York, and he said, gee, flying an airplane is really boring, isn't it? I thought about that for a while. I said, yeah, but boredom is fascinating. the constantly seeking the external hit. Constantly seeking the external hit because you're afraid fully to confront your own possible bankruptcy. Because your model of yourself has in it so much unworthiness that you're afraid if you really stopped and looked and bead, it would be too ugly, too frightening. It wouldn't be enough. So you are a collector of experiences. One becomes a collector of experiences. Now, some of you are living in the present moment enough so that you don't have that anxiety that people who go around collecting photographs of the Grand Canyon have, that they are going to run out of experiences. That we'll collect these now for later when there are no experiences. Right. Later we can go through our album and remember when we had experiences. <laughs> but most of you are much more aware now that boredom is as interesting as anything else. And that experiences are just piling continuously before you. And the last one will be the experience of taking your last breath. And you are less anxious to judge this experience versus that, you're taking the experiences as they come along. But you as an experiencer, you within dualism, you as a separate entity, are still creating a universe in order to optimize your experiences. and still judging this experience as better than that experience. Pleasure as preferable to pain. Gain as preferable to loss. Fame as preferable to shame. Now all that sounds very reasonable to do. Certainly it's better to eat a beautifully prepared uh, salad with sprouts and avocado than to eat um, stale, moldy, weak-old bread. I mean, unless you're weird or something, I mean, that would be more desirable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is it conceivable that you could be someone for whom the quality of those experiences would not be as dominant a matter as it is for you? Let me just tell you who you are. You are an entity who has taken birth in a body with a personality with all of your individual differences on the astral, psychological, and physical plane. That is your incarnation. For most of you, you identify with your incarnation. You think you are a man or a woman. You think you are old or young. You think you are beautiful or ugly. You think you are smart or dumb. You think you are rich or poor. You think you are an Aries or a Leo, etc. truth, you are a being who has taken birth many times, and somewhere along the way, in this birth or in previous ones, you began to awaken. Had you not begun to awaken, you would not be in this hall this evening, except by the sheerest set of pure, weird karma, strange karma. But you're here because you know something, because you've touched something, because you've seen through something, because just like I remember once, I was um, at the Newport Jazz Festival, and I was very high on mescaline. And I was walking, I was back with the musicians because I had come with um, somebody or other, Maynard Ferguson, I think. And I was walking around, there was a canvas tent between the musicians and the audience. And I came up to a little hole in the canvas tent. And I looked out the hole, and there was somebody looking <laughs> directly at me. Now, I had gotten in on a pass. See, I was on the inside. And he said to me, hey man, you want to get in? So, at some point, we've looked through and we've seen another reality. A reality in which we weren't who we thought we were. See, all your life you thought you were somebody. Then suddenly, in a moment, you peek through and you aren't who that was at all. And it isn't the way you thought it was. Now, most people freak completely at that point. They close the curtain and they run back to their seat and they say, it didn't happen or I went crazy. Well, that's totally absurd or I had a nightmare or what a weird hallucination that was. But unfortunately, even that millisecond, they're hooked. The awakening has begun and no matter how hard you try to go back to sleep, you can never do it. Incarnation after incarnation. You will try, believe me. I mean, I have tried. Oh, have I tried. Uh, 
The example I always remember is trying to have, be the enjoyer once more of a piece of pizza. You know, a perfect piece with extra cheese and green peppers, and it's just right. And you just want to forget the whole holy business, the whole Meshuggah thing for one minute and enjoy the pizza. And you take the first bite, and it's just perfect. It's not too hot, so it doesn't burn the roof of your mouth. It's just right. And you're just munching, and it's made with whole wheat flour, okay? So you don't have to get up tight. And you're just munching on that first bite of pizza, and a voice says to you, eating pizza. <laughs> it isn't judging you. It's just noticing. Do you split? Leave me alone, will you? I just want to eat the pizza. Just one pizza, okay? I'll get you later. But you can't do it. And many of you, what happened, the horror that happened, was you had a fantasy about what life in Santa Cruz would be. And you came and created it, but you already had seen through it. And the horror is you kept creating it because it was such a beautiful fantasy. And it is good, isn't it? Yeah, I know it. I know how good it is. The same moment you can't quite forget. Can't quite forget. Because each plane of consciousness you come to, you spread out horizontally and create a new heaven for yourself. But lurking behind it is always a vertical, another plane, and another plane, and another plane. Each reality you create as to who you are and how it is, is only a relative reality. It's not an absolute reality. It's just another reality. Now, some of you feel comfortable enough dealing with that thing you saw and that thing you know inside yourself with a now and then feeding of it. Like coming to a thing like this. Or uh, a meditation on Tuesday nights. Or 20 minutes in the morning. For some of that's even heavy. Some of you, right? Or a holy picture on the wall, that would be nice. Reminds you. It's enough to just feed it a little bit. It doesn't upset the show, and the rest of the time you keep filling up in the world. But that voice stays very insistent. Keeps saying, is there something more? Is my something more just my, my lack of peace and contentment? Is this a neurotic thing I'm feeling? Most people define a spiritual thirst as neurosis. And when they suddenly don't feel as turned on by the trips they were in before, including genital sexuality, they feel they're sick. Something wrong with them. They should want it. They always thought that's what they wanted. But the voice stays insistent. And you therapize it, massage it, feed it, but it doesn't go away. Now I'll tell you how it comes out. How it comes out is that it ultimately consumes you. 
that once the awakening is started, once you got this far, it's now just a cleaning up procedure as to how long you'll hold out. See, I sit here, I don't want you. I mean, I don't need you, I don't want you, I don't have anything you can join. See? I just see where it's gonna go. And I just sit and wait and watch and see you protest. Not me. You're not gonna get me. <laughs> ah. Because I'll tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna get so greedy. Greedy for what? I call it greedy for God. But that freaks some of you. Greedy for enlightenment. Greedy for liberation. Greedy for freedom. Greedy to be with no boundaries. It will so consume you that everything else will become merely an instrument to get you there. In the world I live in, there is only one game, and that game is going to God. Wow. Oh, poor baby. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's all right. It's okay. And when it's the only game, everything in your life, what you eat, how you sleep, who you talk to, everything becomes an instrument for getting there. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.